Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at the number Five Reasons Sports and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. You can download us, subscribe or listen at shulabowl.podbean.com. That is our podcast provider. Uh, yeah, guys, I mean, I'm not going to labor the, uh, the obvious here. I'm not going to bury the lead. We are in a, a weird time kind of, you know, in our nation where we have no sports. Um, we kind of want to just, you know, excuse my language here. We kind of want to be blunt and just shoot the shit because um, it, it's a weird time in sports. And, uh, you know, I think everyone, you know, whether you come to us for FIU and FEU content, um, there's nothing really to give you that's formal right now, but we don't want to leave you with nothing. And I think everyone just kind of wants a respite, you know, a, a kind of break from all of the stuff that's going on around us. And, you know, we're hoping for the, over the next 35-ish minutes or so to kind of be that for you. So got the full house on deck. I know um, Shane has been kind of dying for this episode for the better part of a year to just, you know, kind of just have all chaos break down. Obviously, he would have never wanted it in this fashion. But, um, yeah, guys, I'm going to kind of just kick it around here. Um, I know we all are, are going through it. And, you know, our lives have kind of changed in some form or fashion. Um, so let's kind of kick it around here and anyone just kind of, you know, open forum, whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, Shane, like I said, I know this is an episode you've been kind of pining for for a while. So I'll, I'll let you take it away, man. Start off, brother. Well, obviously, yes, this isn't the fashion I wanted to do it. Um, you know, uh, Eric and I like always love to just, I think last night we were just, uh, kicking around, uh, former Dolphins running backs from the nineties, uh, you know, we always just love to bring up old random college football players. I think that's one of my uh, biggest enjoyments. Uh, it's just like, yo, you remember, who remembers this guy uh, type thing? And it's, usually it's never a superstar. It's some, always some random middle-of-the-road guy. But, um, and, and I love talking about those things. Um, I think, you know, something I, I, I was kind of thinking about, and maybe this could be more done a little later episode, and I'm always trying to turn – kind of the small mm-hmm. subjects into bigger is, you know, I, I wonder in an event like this, I, I think it kind of gives like this opening for a lot of sports and me covering, uh, you know, college ball recruiting. And I heard this kind of with the NBA and the NBA has been wanting to change their calendar for a long time. But I think when things like this happen, uh, a lot of sports are forced to make, make, big changes that I think ultimately could be better. Uh, you know, it, it was it's no news that like conference USA canceled all of spring. Um, it, it looks like nobody's going to have a spring football practice. And uh, I know, you know, this is a little bit more of an open form pod, but I just couldn't help but start to think, in, you know, in, and now with the transfers and the way early enrollees work and so much still roster changing that goes on in the summer of college football, why are we still doing spring practice as opposed to a long fall? That's a hmm. very good question. I have never I agree. About. I agree. You know, go, go ahead. And I, mean, I think I was thinking about this, you know, I, I, fall practices, I, I don't, spring practices is you're allowed to have 15 practices Usually teams do three a day, three a week, three a week, couple scrimmages mixed in. Um, and, and a lot of the bigger schools, your power fives and stuff, have early enrollees. Um, you, most of your, you know, FAU only has a few this year, but the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the big girls, half, more than half their classes get there early. But I think 
kind of to even that out and to make it fair for everyone, you know, why, why aren't we giving the freshmen who come most come during the summer, the opportunity to have more practices. Um, I, I think this can help backfill rosters, teams that lose a lot of guys to the portal over the summer, over the spring, an extra 15 practices or an extra 10 practices extended to the fall for an entire freshman class could have one or two of them playing earlier. So that, that's one of the things I always thought about. I, I thought about it in a college football sense just because I heard, you know, the NBA is already maybe kind of using this as a jetset to start their season and later and, you know, have the NBA finals go right up until, you know, the edge of football season, where I think would, would be great for the sports world. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, just, Overall, I even saw the, you know, Dick, we, we always talk baseball, you know, baseball's kicking around the 81 game schedule idea for this season. This is something baseball's been talking about for two decades shortening the season. So I, I just, I look at these, and I know I'm kind of ranting here, these, long, these big sports changes as an opportunity for all these sports to look at how they do things and maybe force some change that's for the better. Let me let me ask a question here. Um, I just want to ask David this. I know Jake wants to jump in. I want to ask David a quick question. Uh, David, just piggybacking off of that hypothetical, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but that's the entire <laughs> deal with this podcast. Um, if you had one change that you could make, if you were commissioner of you know a, a major sports league or even NCAA, um, what would be that change that you would make? Um, well, if this does <laughs> this doesn't really have anything to do with. Um with like spring practice or anything, but I would love uh, an expanded uh, an, uh, an NCAA football playoff just personally. If I didn't make any change, that would be my change. Uh, get some G or at least make the best G5 team make it into the playoffs and just cause some more chaos in there. Jake, go ahead, man. What were your, uh, your thoughts on uh, Shane's hypothesis? In terms of what I would change with sports, um, in terms of what you would change with sports or even what Shane was saying, is this why are we just doing things in this traditional way, you know? Well, I mean, I definitely agree with Shane, and I do think that this is a good opportunity, especially for a sport like baseball where you've been losing attendance and you're losing fans because, like, you look at right now with spring training, the minor leaguers aren't getting paid, and they haven't gotten paid since August. And that's a very big black eye. And I think their uh, CBA expires after next year. So I think this is an opportunity for the power players of baseball to say, okay, you know, we're going three months without playing games. We're going almost a full year without these guys getting paid. How do we change that? For me, I'm going to sound like an old man. I would like to see kickoff times. And first pitch times and tip-off times a little earlier for the playoffs. <laughs> I understand it's about getting the most eyeballs, but it's like the NBA playoffs, the finals have started at 9 p.m. And it's like, that is way too late. The World Series starts wow. at 8. And that's already, that's already like a four-hour like four game. You're an old soul. Yeah. Oh Dude, my God. Right. Uh, I don't mind <laughs> nine thirty-eight tip. Um, you know, and, and, and I was just using that to kind of hype, you know, hypothesize some changes, how we look at a thing. And the one I would change, I've seen this written a few times is a college football 
regulation uh, relegation system amongst conferences. It would never happen. Um, kind of like how they do it in European soccer, but I would do it basically on a four-year period where you know, mm-hmm. basically every G5 and Power 5 team have a conference, have a kind of a match. And if over a four-year period, the two top teams, their best conference and at a conference records move up, and over a four-year period, the two bottom teams in a Power 5 conference move down. And I, I like doing it in four-year periods. Um, so when it, a team moves up, they have a chance to really recruit, get that money, and you know, see if they can stick around. Shane, I, I, think can, I, I think that we can all agree that in terms of on-field success, like for football, UCF deserves more of a spot in the Big Ten than Rutgers. Oh, without doubt, I'm a hundred percent. I just was going to say, uh, Jake, I am not. You know, I will be the old man with you. I am not opposed to moving some of these, you know, tip-off times earlier. But the change that I would make, and it's kind of similar to what Shane talked about in terms of, of uh, relegation, but I would do it in a different way. And I know this is going to be controversial, but I'll say it. I would not relegate based off of record, but not that I have an issue with Shane's hypothesis. I would like to see the, not the paid attendance be used at a yearly basis for the attendance audit. I would like the actual physical butts and seats to be used um, in terms of relegation. So for example, uh, our beloved FIU Panthers, uh, they they probably would be an FCS um, based on my standard. Yeah, exactly. So what FAU, you You know, my, my reason for that is this, um, I just believe I, you know, and I, I feel really strongly about it after I haven't talked to the players this year that a lot of these guys just deserve better and they're laying all their guts out there, you know, laying on the line. And if you're not going to show up at at least a level of, I wouldn't set it at 15,000. You know, I, I, I wouldn't do that. Cause I think that's a tough standard, especially not every place is homogenous, you know, not every place is Knoxville, Tennessee, where there's nothing else to do with your life. Um, no disrespect to Knoxville, Tennessee, but, um, or even Murfreesboro, Hey, Emil Tennessee wouldn't make it this year and ain't nothing to do over there. But I would set at a number that I think is reasonable, something like 5,000, um, uh, physical attendance. If you cannot average 5,000 people per game physically, but over the um, season, or even we'll do it over a, a two year span or three year span. If you can't average that, then I, I don't think you deserve to be a, an FBS program. Wait, Eric, can I, can I just uh, counter that with one thing is that sure. the only reason I disagree is that you're basically going to be punishing the players for something that might be out of their control. And so I think that if we hypothetically go with Shane's and be off wins, um, you know, maybe that brings more butts to the seats because like, oh, wow. Wait, did FIU just jump into the ACC after like four years? Like, if, I don't know, oh. it might really attract more people as opposed to like, Force like, yeah, you you can't move up because you didn't hit the requirements of people going to your games. But it's like, all right, then the players are kind of just getting screwed over there. David, let me quickly clarify this because you're 100 correct. I'm not I'm not doing this in terms of oh the players you know an existing team. Well, you got to go down. What I was saying is in a in a perfect circumstance where you know you have the guys, and obviously if a team was relegated, then the players who are on that team are free to transfer without penalty wherever they choose to go, you know, with that being said. But I just think this is more, that hypothesis is more in terms of the university and the athletic departments uh, getting their stuff, you know, to get themselves in gear and say, hey, like, if, if you can't, 
if this can't be supported at at least this level, then maybe it shouldn't be around. And I'm not, I'm not picking on FIU specifically because guess what? There are uh, probably 35 to 40 percent of teams in college football who uh, who would fall into that category. Well, I've made this point before, and we had this debate on Twitter. I think. I think so much in college football attendance and there's the obvious ones, the TVs, every game's on TV, the expense of this and that. Again, I think the biggest thing with change in the last seven years is the narrative from the powers that be, right? And I think when you have a whole kids that are in college now, they probably really, you know, they're at their formative years in the 2000, kind of almost at the point where the we really developed the G5 and Power 5 um, almost eight years ago at this point. And it's it, it, when your school is constantly being reminded, and I've said this a hundred times, oh, you're small. Your program doesn't matter. It's just about this, just about this. And they just keep feeding into the narrative of your game isn't important. It affects people, right? And and I think this goes yeah. for a hundred and... 10 college football programs in this, in the country where basically people are just like, well, you know, the ESPNs and the Fox sports in the world just been telling me that there's only really 20 college football teams that matter. And when you don't get excited about all ships. And I think what the beauty of college football is, is the diversity of the sport. And you just turn it into basically 20 NFL teams. You sink everyone else. Um, and I think that's what they're looking at attendance wise. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And like I said, I, I'm not saying it in terms of, you know, you want to wash out the greater majority of college football in terms of just because I, I do think more than 20 teams would uh, would survive in that. It just frustrates me, you know, and this is speaking both as a as a journalist and a fan. It frustrates me when you talk to these guys who are, as we saw, FIU beat Miami. We see upsets all the time. You know, FAU was, in my opinion, a top 25 team in the nation this year. They're, you know, playing their guts out and they don't get that, you know, that level of, of respect and even in, from their well, own fan base. But it, are it, good. it's but, also just from an interest standpoint, right? What is the most exciting college football, controversial, exciting college football story the last five years? <sighs> UCF, right? Right? I mean, oh, yeah, every sure, fan yeah. has his, sure, has his sure. opinion, opinion on that title, right? It's a new team. They're different. They did something unique, right? whether you absolutely burn in fire and hate them claiming the national title, um, man, you remember that you probably remember more about them than who was on Alabama's third title team. And, and, and right? yeah, I mean, that, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I um, made the point, remember, we all remember that infamous, and I love the joke about it, the famous 2007 college football season where, I think what there's seven weeks in a row there was the number two team lost and it was just yeah yeah Kansas. that was that was that was the, the USF year right that was the USF year where yeah, they yeah. hit number Kansas yeah. Rutgers and USF I'm gonna say those three names again Kansas Rutgers and USF all were at number two at one point for a week in the season that's fun. Speaking of speaking right. of fun, I can want to toss. No, no, absolutely, absolutely, Shane. And I'm going to transition away from one second and just ask you guys just a broad question here. You know, we had this conversation last night, kind of about you know favorite players 
um, whether it's favorite Dolphin players or favorite chess players. Uh, I want to ask you guys this, and I'll start with Jake. What was the player, um, and you, I'll let you pick the sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, uh-huh. or if you want to choose more than one. Um, what was the player that truly captured your sports fandom and, and drew you in and was like, all right, you know, I, I like this? Um, baseball, it was Derek Jeter only because like the game that got me into baseball full time was game four of 2001 world series, Mr. October or Mr. November home run, um, football, probably Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, um, and those early 2000s, mid 2000s Colts, um, NBA, I'm a Nets fan. I love Jason Kidd, man. I know Jason Kidd had some off-field issues, but him and Richard Jefferson and Jason Collins, just just all these random guys. I mean, that's something that a lot of sports fans also feel like is, you know, you take the Dolphins, right? Obviously, so many Dolphins fans are going to love Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, Dan Marino, depending on your generation, but... I also feel like there's a lot of Dolphin fans who might say their favorite player is Ronnie Brown, somebody who had a couple of very good seasons and at times was just an okay player, but a fun player to watch. Probably the same thing with the Heat. Obviously, guys are going to say Dwayne Wade or LeBron is their favorite player, but I'm sure there's a bunch of people who their favorite player during the big three was Mike Miller. Shane, I want to kick that to you because yeah, you threw what kind of piggybacked or what kind of brought this topic in my mind was when you threw that picture of John Avery out at me. And I was like, wow, that's just, you know, that's classic Dolphins fandom. Like you got to you got to go back with the team to really just remember that that random running back that Jimmy Johnson brought in who he thought was going to be the savior. But in actuality, they really should got him a receiver. So I'll, I'll kick that to you uh, and your you and David both in your South Florida sports fandom. Uh, Shane first, who was the kind of the guys who uh, really started that for you? David, go first. Uh, all right. Well, just, I mean, the, the guys who got me into, you know, my fandom, obviously being a homers, one was mentioned already, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas was a guy that was my first ever, not even just football jersey, my first ever jersey ever. Um, I even named my second dog after him. Um, it was just, he was the guy that just got me to really love football and, um, just like the way he was, he was the undersized linebacker, just a ball of fire. He was going to hit you with all he's got. And he was just, it was, he was just awesome. And then when it comes to basketball, obviously it's Dwayne Wade. Um, that one's, that one's a given, but two, two guys that I want to throw out there that actually aren't Miami guys, at least they didn't, they didn't play for the dolphins or the heat that I grew up. That were my favorite players. One was Ocho Cinco who actually ended up being a Dolphin for like three days. But um, Ocho Cinco was a guy who was my second jersey I ever had. And then in basketball, it was T-Mac. I was a huge T-Mac fan growing up. Um, but those are just a couple guys that that I just followed. I had their trading cards when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it, it just it's so funny to like just look back at all these names that we were sending in the chat. And it's like, what an impact these people had without even knowing them personally. It's just like, like the you admire as a kid, it's just it's just awesome, and I miss, I miss Zach Thomas, man. I, I he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than anybody. David did the uh, so, Ocho Cinco jersey. Did it say Johnson or Ocho Cinco? Ch- Chad Johnson, but the, oh my, it said Chad Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it was before he made, uh, did the name change. 
you know, well, Chad Johnson's out. If I can, I want to piggyback off something that David said. When FAU had the Hall of Fame ceremonies in October, Alfred Morris was talking about how people would come up to him and be like, you know, you with the Redskins got me, like taught me what FAU was. And I'm thinking that was kind of me in New York. Like I was looking for a school in Florida that cause I wanted to get away from the snow and the cold. And I wanted a school that had a football team. That was my big thing. That's why I didn't go to Hofstra. And I looked up FAU and it was like Alfred Morris went there. And I'm like, this is when Alfred Morris is making Pro Bowls for the Redskins. And it's like, okay. You know, Alfred Morris, and then he's like Rob Hauser. Okay, I played with him in Madden. I had him on my ultimate team. He's good. Um, Howard Schnellenberger was there. So I think that's something that is just so great about sports, and I'm hoping that FAU and FIU will both be able to do this to where 10, 15 years from now, when the next generation is doing their own shootable podcast, that they're saying – you know, Devin Singletary got me into FAU. James Morgan got me into FIU. B.Y. Hilton. B.Y. Uh, <laughs> Hilton. Um, I mean, they're probably too old now, or probably too young now for Alfred, but Harrison Bryant, those guys. Aziz. Yeah, and before before I kick it back to Shane, uh, I hope I don't steal a player, but an honorable mention of mine was uh, Ricky Williams. Go for it, Shane. Yeah, obviously all those, and we were just kind of Eric and I, when we were messaging about it last night, those late 2000 Dolphins teams, that whole defense, I could pretty much argue, was from Madison to Sertan. Even an early one that I liked, who was kind of the first, it was there a couple of years. I was, when I was a kid, I loved Terrell Buckley. Um, I was a huge T Buck fan, who was actually on staff with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss right now. Um, he's the corners coach. Uh, but I'm just going to go a little different direction, kind of a player that I would say, and you know, obviously my Dolphins are my first, the, the Dolphins are my first love, but I love college football overall more as a sport. And the player that just kind of sucked me into the college football world was Peter Warwick, right? I think any kid, Eric, I mean, you grew up in, growing up in Florida and like, especially that era of, you know, watching college football, I mean, Peter Hork was the GOAT, man. Like, he was, like, one of the most electric players. He was Reggie Bush in a way before Reggie Bush, right, when it came to, like, just stupid highlight reels and, you know, in the national championship game when they played against Michael Vick. But, yeah, I, I would say and it's, it's kind of cool to see his son um, at FAU right now. He was just recruited this season. Shane, I, I didn't want to, um, you know, cut you off or steal your thunder there, but I have to, you know, I can't agree with that more. Um, there were two players who really got me into, into football, really. One of them was Peter Warwick. And when you say, you know, I can't underscore this enough. When you say he was Reggie Bush before Reggie Bush, I mean, Shane, what game was it? Was it the Louisiana Tech game where he did oh, like yeah. the step back? Yeah. The, the, I mean, that was yeah. insane. I mean, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Peter Warwick or like Peter Warwick, Louisiana Tech or YouTube it and you'll see it. It was it, it was, you know, incredible. But um, uh, Jake made an interesting point about like how you kind of get into your college fandom. And the question I get a lot is how did I end up at UCF? 
Um, I mean, part of it was, you know, I, I played NAIA football and, you know, quickly realized that I was not going to be a professional athlete, but I, my fandom was always UCF over USF, which for those who don't know, I'm the product of uh, two parents who are proud bulls and uh, my siblings are all bulls. It was, uh, and I wonder if Shane will probably be the only one who remembers this. It was NCAA. Remember the old game NCAA game breaker, Shane? Yes. Yeah, it was a yeah, NCAA absolutely. game breaker. Game Breaker 99. Uh, ironically enough, Scott Frost was on the cover of that game, who would go on to be a UCF coach. But um, USF was, they were in their first year of their program and they weren't on the game. The only game, the only uh, team that was uh, that wasn't a Florida State or Florida or Miami that was on the game was UCF. And I just fell in love. They had this quarterback who like, it seems so random because all like the big name schools, the Michigans, the Floridas, the Florida States, you know, they had the Chris Winkies and, you know, Tom Brady's and um, um, come on, I'm having a brain fart right now. Drew Henson's and, you know, those guys, USC had the Carson Palmer's and guys like that. And there was this one random small school that had this quarterback who was a 99 overall and he was a runner and a thrower. And I just couldn't figure it out. So I was like, Oh, wait a minute. He goes to, it's a Florida school. I like them. And then I like the black and gold colors. And that quarterback was Dante Culpepper. And uh, I would always go up against my uh, my older sibling or older older cousins in that in that game, and I would take on UCF as the challenge because they had like, you know, if all of us have all started a, a created a, a school from scratch and like you get the quarterback who's a ninety nine overall, but the rest of the players are trash. That's uh, no disrespect to you know the UCF greats of that uh, era, but that's what they were, right? And that's what kind of led me to my UCF fandom. So the two guys for me were easily Dante Culpepper and Peter Warwick, and then uh, from there I would throw in a uh, Warwick done as well. <laughs> I just wanted to add to Shane's list of um, Dolphin great defenders. Uh, one of my favorites also was Jeremiah Bell. Very, very underrated safety. I was going to say, if we're talking Dolphin safeties, I'd go with Arturo Freeman. <laughs> that was a, a very <laughs> random Dolphin safety. Who I, I love I couldn't explain why. But, um, but really quick, guys, just want to uh, make sure we get this in while we're still recording. Uh, this is something that we've kind of bantered about um, uh, over, you know, chat. And I know David's brought it up at times as well. Jake's brought it up too. Our FAU and FIU Mount Rushmore's. And I definitely want to leave this open to you guys. Obviously, you know, everyone knows I'm a UCF alum. So uh, I, I don't take it. I, I don't have the same investment, even though I can take it back to the Josh Padricks and David Tabers and uh, Ahmad Neds of the world. <laughs> but uh, I'll leave it to those guys. who You guys have the true affiliation. So uh, um, David, since you are FIU representative, go ahead and take it away first. Do you, before we start, do you guys want to do just football or all sports in general? Uh, I think just football tonight because I need to really think about Mount Rushmore in general. Um, all right. Yeah, well, just a quick note on that. I, I And I totally forgot this for a while. One of my, probably my favorite Marlin of all time, my ball, is an FIU alum, which hurts a little bit, but still, <laughs> favorite Marlin of all time. <laughs> um okay well he was gonna make my my overall mount rushmore 100 percent. so um but all right i'll I'll kick i'll kick it off with the fiu football mount rushmore um i mean number one is is a very easy one it's ty hilton uh the most recognizable name out of any fiu athlete right now i would say um i mean just the things that he did at fiu were ridiculous and and it's translated to an amazing career in the NFL. Um, another member I would throw in would be our first ever uh, drafted player, which would be Antoine Barnes. Um, Antoine Barnes, linebacker, um, huge playmaker for us back in the day. 
The third, I would put um, Jonathan Cyprian. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian was just fantastic for us, and he ended up being FIU's highest drafted player, um, the first pick of the second round. And then lastly, hmm, damn, lastly is a bit tougher, but I would go with uh, what? I said four gallons. <laughs> 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 I'm, be, I'm between. Um, I'll, I'm going to all time leading the- scorer, David. All time leading scorer. Sorry, I couldn't let it go. Yeah. Listen, listen, That's listen. A lot. Listen, 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 guys. I don't want to get into it today, but um, I am just going to throw in. I'm going to. I'm going to throw in. I'm I'm gonna go James Morgan, uh, just because just because of the records that he broke in his first year and, and just the impact that he had on the, this team these last two years and and I think his future is just so bright. Uh, I almost put Magoo there, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Morgan. David, really quick, I'll, I'll say this before I, I'll let uh, Shane and Jake from FAU. You don't have to uh, prod me twice for a uh, for a James Morgan plug. So I'm all good with JMO on the uh, on the FIU Mount Rushmore. <laughs> all right um all right i'm gonna try and keep mine a little bit more um a couple more old schools I, and i think obviously motor is obviously number one um and just to you know from the recency harrison bryant i i think we're a little too close to it, realize it i mean someone who won the Mackey award in in AP All American, in every single official All American poll, the AP, all that stuff, won the Mackey Award. I mean, that's that's kind of like once in a generation type player. Um, the third, I'm going to go with Jared Allen, who was the quarterback. It was the quarterback uh, for FAU starting in 2003, and uh, led them to the at the time Division One AA. Um, semifinals um, in what I think was just FAU's just third season at the time uh, where, you know, they uh, I believe beat Northern Arizona, but soon Cookman, I can have a couple older FAU fans tweet at us exactly how those playoffs went, and I believe they lost uh, I, I can't remember, maybe Jake can look up real quick who they lost before they went to the NCAA championship game it, um, it, was, too, uh, but, it was Colgate, right? Yes, it was Colgate. You're right. And then, uh, but Jared Allen also remained at FAU for a long time with a assistant coach all the way up until Lane Kiffin. So he essentially was with the program from 2003 until, you know, the beginning of 2017. Um, and then uh, my final one, I, you know, I, I'll definitely, like we talked about earlier, give it cut to Alfred Morris. Uh, you know, it's really tough with him because he was on some really bad teams, like really bad teams. And, but, you know, he was kind of that first impactful player to offering that few notoriety. Jake? That's a good Mount Rushmore. Um, I would go Motor without saying. Um, Rusty Smith. 
quarterback of the first two bowl teams, holds all the passing records. Trey Hendrickson, arguably the best defensive player in program history. He finished with thirty something sacks. Yeah, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he doesn't make my top five. And fourth, Harrison Bryant's a good pick. Fourth, I think I would go Harrison Bryant or Aziz. And it might be a recency thing. Aziz, I think the story, I think his 2017, just the the impact he had on the culture, 150-something tackles. He was a rocket. He was an RPG. But Harrison Bryant, like, that's a good pick. And then Alfred Morris, too. So, my top three are definitely Motor, Rusty, and Trey. Number four, I think it could be like anybody that Shane put on there. I think it could be Aziz. I'm going to go with Aziz with the only caveat being that if I couldn't, if I had to pick somebody from who wasn't part of the Lane Kiffin era, because I already picked Motor and Trey was right before, so I guess. If I didn't have to take anybody that I covered, I would go Alfred. So, Motor, Rusty, Harris, or, uh, Trey, and Aziz slash Alfred. Shane, I know you were saying that you thought Jake uh, had a couple picks that wouldn't be in your top five. Uh, you really quick, you um, you agree with him or not? Yeah, I, I he's a liar on Trey Anderson than I am. Trey Anderson was a great player. Um I, I just think there's been so many great defenders, even going back to the other bowl games, like Sincere and uh, Mike, you know, Mike Locks, uh, Mike Loxley, you know, some of the linebackers. I mean, I put Rashad Smith and James Pierre above them and just pure in defenders at FAU. Um, but FAU's had a lot of really good defensive players, you know, kind of throughout its history. I mean, Kervon LeBlanc was a great player. Uh, for three years here, so or at the time you play. So, really quick, what I'll do since I, I didn't chime in on the FAU and FIU except for James Morgan is I will give my South Florida all obscure Mount Rushmore before I close it up. Um, I'm going to take uh, a player from each major franchise. So, the Florida Panthers. Um, obviously, I'm a Lightning fan, so I, I'm not a huge Panther fan, but I am very familiar with the franchise. Um, I'm going to go with Peter Worrell <laughs> and I'm not just picking because he's the, the black NHL player. Um, Peter Worrell, if anyone knows, uh, the Panthers, man, you want to talk about a feisty guy, uh, yeah. him and, uh, right. You know, you guys, if you're a Panther, yeah. if you're a cat, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go with Peter Worrell from the cat. Um, I am torn between Felix Heredia, uh, um, and, uh, Antonio Alfonseca from the Marlins. Uh, I think I'm going to go. Alfonseca, and if I'm going with a hitter, I'd probably go with. Uh, I mean, Derek Lee wasn't obscure, but I, I think I, I think I'll take Derek Lee, or maybe you know what? I, um, here's one after your heart, Shane. Mark Kotze. If you remember those those Marlins teams right before the '03 teams, who were like consistently 79 win teams, uh, I would take Mark, Mark Kotze. Was a huge prospect. He was a major prospect. He was like supposed to be a five tool kid coming out. Exactly. Exactly. Never. I mean, he was a solid he was baseball okay. player. He was solid. But right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But never quite lived up that five tool. Um, if I'm going with the heat, this is easy. I mean, uh, as a magic fan, I am a noted heat hater, 
But um, one of the earliest series that I can remember, I'm sure Shane will remember this one as well. It was the playoffs. I want to say it was 1998. I was like six, five or six at this time when the Magic played the Heat in the playoffs. Um, and uh, a guy who I could not stand was uh, Vashon Leonard. So that is my uh, my obscure Heat uh, Mount Rushmore. And then if I'm going with a Dolphin, I'm torn between a couple guys. A, a name that I gave Shane the other day was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I think that's going to be my choice. But if I'm going with something a little more recent, um, I probably would go with Channing Crowder. Um, I thought he was a solid Dolphin as well. Loved Crowder. So, fun Peter Worrell fact. He was actually, for two or three years, the FAU club ice hockey head coach. Whatever. <laughs> no, you so, know, no, no idea on that one. Go ahead, guys. No, my, my favorite uh, Marlin beside Mike Lowell uh, was Juan Pierre. Guy was electric. Oh, I, I know Shane loves JP. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, you know, the thing, funny you mentioned, you say obscure uh, with Derek Lee. Derek Lee, even though he was on that 2003 Marlins team, wasn't the Derek Lee he was on the rest of his career. He was still kind of young and struck out a lot if we're going down 2003 Marlins history, which I can do any day. But he, he, Derek Lee didn't really become this huge all-star until he went signed with the Cubs. Or I, I can't remember if he was traded there. But, yeah, I mean, he was a good player, but then he was like, he was either hit like six or seventh in the lineup those days. No, Shane, I, I absolutely remember that, that uh, I want to say he was traded. If my memory serves me correct. And unfortunately I do got to close on this one, but if my memory serves me correct, he was traded for he Sop choy. Um, I believe that that was it, but, uh, but really, we really quick guys. Uh, just want to thank everyone for taking the time out, you know, kind of shoot the crap. Like I said, you know, it's a, it's been a weird time without sports. So our episodes for the um, foreseeable future are going to be kind of like this. I'm sure we all have a couple topics that we'll, uh, we'll kind of pick apart from time to time and things that we just think like, Hey, uh, interesting little banter that we can kind of come up guys. So uh, once again, the only way we can grow as a podcast, we're not going to stop doing pods. We're going to continue to do so. Um, only way we can grow is if you leave us reviews. So please feel free to DM us uh, at five reasons sports or at Shulable pod on Twitter. You can find us at the podcast found at shulablepod.podbean.com is our podcast provider. And, you know, thank you for listening, guys. Once again, you know, it's a, it's a weird time without sports. So I want to thank you for hanging in there and we'll try to guide you through it as best we can. Um, this is typically where I'd say happy football watching or happy enjoying sports or spring practice. But we don't know what the future holds, but stick with us, guys. And uh, sports will be back eventually. So hang in there. Thank you for listening.